You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. This is the Mailbag Edition on a Friday. I know that's a little bit different than what we normally do. But with the Chiefs playing on Monday Night Football, here's kind of the schedule. You've got the airing of grievances on Tuesday. Today is the mailbag. Monday morning, you will have a game preview for Chiefs Chargers from the AP Nerd Squad. Speaking of the AP Nerd Squad, my dear pals, we'll first find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you doing, Kent? I'm all right, man. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm ready to roll. Excited to uh, to uh, answer the the questions of the fine people. Kind of threw me off there asking me a question how I was doing. I was, this is I was trying to be polite. Rant. I I wanted to see if you were in higher higher spirits than you were on Monday because you were a little down. You were a little <laughs> angry. I just wanted to check in. I wanted I wanted to gauge your level of rantness before we started this podcast. Well, are calm. we getting Are we getting two Kent rants in a week that people want to know? <laughs> no, we're not. Yeah, okay. probably. Well, our third friend here. Craig Stout, the Renaissance man. He's accomplished a lot this decade, as he put on Twitter. Find him on Twitter, at Barley Hop. How you doing today, buddy? If you go to at Barley Hop, you will see that I've accomplished nothing, and I've done nothing in the past decade. You guys, I'm, I'm very boring. I just sit around, stare, watch paint dry. Uh-huh. I do nothing else with my life. Craig, didn't don't you brew beer? No, not mm-hmm. anymore. Hey, Craig, in the past month, how many different concerts have you been to or shows? Uh, zero. I, I, I've just I've just stared at paint on the wall. I'm, I'm not joking. Aren't you an engineer for a living? You guys, I'm done with this bit. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead. Let's just jump into the questions. We'll start with the five-star review questions. Uh, if you leave a five-star review, ask a question, we'll answer it on the show. And Mouse 187, Tyreek Hill had 11 catches for 157 yards and a score, but considering the multiple huge drops he had, was this a bad game for Hill, even understanding that he was a great contributor? My Chiefs heart hurts. I think Chiefs fans, and it's probably every fan base, just not as in touch with every other fan base, kind of have the same conundrum. When you have a great player that has a fantastic game, but then makes what ends up being a relatively crucial drop, it becomes like a talking point. Are you allowed to be upset with them? Are you allowed to think they had a bad performance based on that play? Or do you just kind of ignore the lack of clutch play by them later in the game because they had such a good game before? Reality is, I don't. you can't say this was a bad game for Tyreek Hill. He was about the whole offense for the Chiefs at di- different parts of the game. They weren't doing a ton outside of him at times, it seemed. He got 19 targets. The Chiefs obviously felt like he was the guy to go to to carry the offense. It was working for a while. 
I know we want to, you can't blame him for, you know, the drop late in the game on the quick little hitch route. He couldn't come down with a 50 50 ball over a Dory Jackson when they tried to throw it downfield on a third down. So little stuff like that you can be upset with. But overall, no, this is a great game by Tyreek Hill. He just happened to have a couple unlucky or poor plays there at the end. Hopefully that's not what sticks in everyone's mind because every other player, every other coach had a chance to make a big play too, and they simply didn't either. Yeah, I would like to see Tyreek Hill get another 19 targets and see what he comes down with again here in the future. He has been insane, guys. I don't know if you guys know this, but if he has the average that he's had so far this season, he will have 1,100 yards receiving and 11 touchdowns, and that's with the time that he's missed. That is insanity. I'm not mad at Tyreek Hill. Guys have bad games sometimes. This is not a bad game. There's other players on that offense that maybe weren't playing up to snuff who are maybe softer than their soft tissue injuries are every single year. Looking at you, Lizard King. let's, uh, Let's put it together a little bit more against the Chargers this week. Wow. That was uh, that was pretty intense. There. I still I still got uh, some, I still got some anger. It's, it's good. Clearly, apnerdsquad at gmail.com questions now. Uh, we got a couple. Hey guys, massive Chiefs fan here in the UK. Do you agree that making Pinnell inactive and only playing Raglan for 17 snaps against the Titans was a completely ridiculous decision, especially as they were the two main reasons why the run defense had improved so drastically over the previous few weeks? If you can, can you give a shout-out to my cousin in Kansas, Justin Sykes? Shout-out Justin Sykes, who has been a Chiefs fanatic and the reason why I've been supporting the Chiefs since around 2018. Thanks, guys. I love your show. They really helped me understand the game a bit better, and I find it all so interesting. Keep up the good work, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Much appreciated. Um, yeah. First off, just, I mean, shout out. That was that was really, really cool. Appreciate you. It's crazy that people in the UK listen. Um, I don't think Pinnell is the only reason that this you know, that this loss occurred. I think he might have helped marginally enough that they things might have been different. It, some of the some of the personnel decisions kind of depend on the personnel of the opponent though. So like it's kind of it's kind of goes both ways. Yeah, I on one hand, I think that Pinnell should have been active. He had been playing very well for the Chiefs. Why not have him ready to go for a team that is a run heavy team? On the other hand, I understand the desire to get Joey Ivey out there. The Chiefs, I think, thought they were going to be leading this game. They thought they were going to have the Titans behind and score. They wanted to pressure Ryan Tannehill. Ivey is a better pass rusher than Pinnell's going to be, a better pass rusher than Nadi. Probably a better pass rusher right now than Colin Saunders. So I get what they were going for. I'm just not sure that Pinnell would have been the guy that I would have removed for it. As far as Ragland... When he did play, I don't believe he was overly effective at helping stop the run. I'm going to let Craig Stout go into that one a little bit for you guys, but I've seen people complain about that, and I'm going to be pretty frank. The Chiefs' run defense, even with their best run stoppers, was not good. So, yeah, we could add Mike Pinnell back to that list and see if he somehow changes it, but I don't think that one extra guy was going to make up for what Craig's about to tell you guys. Yeah, two-thirds of Derrick Henry's rushing yards came when Reggie Ragland was on the field. He... 
they didn't do a good Is job. That good? That, that's not good. That's the base defense. That's the run-stopping defense. That's why they're on the field is to stop the run. They were not particularly good. And just to kind of piggyback off this, I've seen this a lot. I know a lot of our listeners understand this. But, guys, it really does just depend on the personnel the offense sits out there. I know we hear a lot of times you know, situations where, like against Green Bay, well, why didn't they put a safety on the field to help in coverage against running backs against Minnesota why didn't they put a safety on the field to counter some of this screen game Tennessee had shown some screen game coming into this game they put Dan Sorensen on the field and then everybody complains that Dan Sorensen is on the field when that's what they've been asking for the previous couple weeks you you gotta you know if you want if you want one guy on the field you got to take another guy off you can only play 11 or in some cases with the Chiefs 10 so you really have to do a good job of trying to limit the exposure to damage done based on the personnel that you have so uh, it isn't just as simple as one guy in one guy out for that makes a significant difference and what they do. All right, next question from Asher. When looking back at the last game, it's easy to see that all the three phases weren't playing well. Poor special teams, decision, execution, uh, a defense that couldn't even stop. Ryan, which team is he on, Tannehill, from running on them and on offense that despite having a perfect Patrick LeVon Mahomes back had to attempt five field goals and drop many passes? What stands out as the biggest problem to be fixed heading into the Mexico City game. Thank you, Asher. Uh, there's too many. Like uh, everything, <laughs> went, everything went wrong. Like uh, there, yeah. there's so many things that went wrong. No single person can really be absolved of this game, short of Patrick Mahomes, who was phenomenal. So I, at this point, you just need to burn that tape, pretend it doesn't exist. And try and go back to the way that you were playing before Patrick Mahomes got back on the field with you, before he was, you know, kind of your savior that you could lean on a little bit. Because we saw this week, you can't just rely on him to beat everybody. You guys have to step up, play better as a whole. So it's just everything. The coaching staff. Uh, Not anybody specific, just the (laughs) coaching staff in general. They need to have the defense more prepared not to come out on the last drive soft. They need to know that Ryan Tannehill is a relatively athletic player and can move a little bit. I understand he doesn't run for a lot of first downs on third and long in his NFL career. He was a wide receiver recruit to a major college. Like He can move. You have to know that going in. The offensive coaching staff needs to not be ready to settle for five field goals. They need to come up with a better game plan. The discipline in terms of penalties that were really killing drives, resulting in a lot of those field goals, that's all coming in. It's not all coming from the coaching staff, but their demeanor, their mentality plays a lot of that. The coaching staff needs to get these players fired up. They need to be more motivated. They need to have these players willing to try as hard as they do for Matt Moore. There's no way to question that the team played harder when Matt Moore was out in the game than Patrick Mahomes was. Whether it's a personal decision by each and every single player or something in the building, whatever it may be, the team has to play much harder, have to show more heart, both offensively, defensively. And yeah, I think there's plenty of room for both Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo to improve on whatever they were doing against the Titans because sometimes it just seemed like they were as lost as the play on the field looked. Yeah, I think you guys about 
wrap that all up. And there's some more questions about that. I've got some other thoughts. I'm going to save them for some of the other questions that kind of fall in line to some of the more micro elements of that. Let's just jump to Twitter right now. Uh, a few of you guys kind of basically had some grievances carry over uh, and we'll answer them. But there's also some interesting questions in here that are a little different than what we talked about on Tuesday. So wasted motion. I'm going to read these three. They're all about the offensive line. Some of them are a little snarky. Wasted motion. If we draft five offensive linemen, do you think Cam Irving will make the team? SoCal 1186 without mentioning Cam Irving. How well do you expect the O-line to play the rest of the year? Raw talk sports. And this kind of falls in line with SoCal. Uh, which combination of offensive line do you guys think gives the Chiefs the best chance to compete and protect Mahomes during the stretch run? Going down the list, I don't see any way that Cam, I mean, Cam Irving is on this team next year. I just don't think they can pull it off. The tape has been so bad this year. He might be a great guy in the locker room. I just don't think you can do it. This year, you were put in a situation where you needed an immediate kind of long-term offensive tackle solution. He was here. He was a body that knew the offense. He's got to go by next year. The rest of the O-line the rest of the year, I think it'll still be up and down. I don't think the interior offensive line's played particularly good. They've had to shuffle a lot of guys in and out. The chemistry is just simply not there across the board. Your hope is getting Fisher back solidifies your two tackles, and then you just kind of get that status quo Chiefs offensive line over the past three-ish years, which is will be good enough. The five that should play... Eric Fisher, I want to see more Wisniewski. I think he looked pretty good in pass protection. He had a pretty major whiff when he pulled around there on the second to last drive the Chiefs had, where if he makes his block, the Chiefs pick up a lot more yards on a power run that really could have helped seal the game and run out more clock. He completely whiffed. I didn't know if he was great as a run blocker, but the Chiefs rarely run, so he might get a nod. Austin (laughs) Ryder stays in at center. I would play Andrew Wiley over Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. If I have to choose between one guy to sit out, I guess I would put Wisniewski out, Wiley in next to Sh- and then LDT Schwartz to finish it off. But that would be my best five. Yeah, that's my best five as well. LDT's not been great this year, so I would just roll with that. And then everything else Maddie said is right. I just wanted to point out that Wasted Motion dropped the G on Cam Irving's name, just like Google. Oh, man. I just I'm out of it. That's a really good. That's a really good job by Wasted Motion. That's my fault. Um, just so you guys know, you guys the, the Chiefs can save a little bit under nine million dollars if they cut LDT and Cameron Irving next year. Just so you know. Uh, shout out to Wasted Motion for for dropping the G. That was really. Kent, I, are you was, ready for me to put you on the spot? No. How much do they save by just getting rid of Cam Irving? $3.875 million, okay, I believe. Just because LDT is at least a serviceable player. While he hasn't been good, I can understand the rationale for keeping him, but Cam Irving has got to go. So there you guys go. About $4 million. That's more than what we pay for any cornerback to be on the roster by cutting Ugh. Cam Irving. Uh, that's like the entire cornerback room combined, actually. Uh, no, that's actually – it's close. Cameron Irving – or LDT, though, $5 million. You could post June Wanham and save seven on the cap this year. So, I mean – Oh, no, I'm for I don't it. Know. I just wanted to make my cornerback joke about Cam Irving. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Thomas Geist, can we put can we can we just put Patrick Mahomes out in Matt Moore's jersey so the def- defense thinks they need to step up? I this is where I kind of held myself back a little bit earlier. I do think that there is a I think I think Patrick Mahomes is the guy in the group project that does everything. 
And the Chiefs defense is the guy that shows up like three times and maybe just kind of puts his input in every now and then to make it look like he's doing something. Spoken like an offensive uh, guy. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, I, I just think the mentality, those guys aren't, they're not, there's something, there's some kind of mentality problem. I mean, it's across the board, but I think it permeates on the defense. When Mahomes is in, it just, it honestly does feel like everybody kind of loosens up a little bit. I, the thing, the one thing is, I you kind of heard Pat talk today, though, about how they don't really have a ton of margin for error. They've kind of got to all step it up. They, I think they understand now. You just dropped a game to a terrible football team. I am getting upset. I'm my blood pressure's rising as we talk. They lost to a really, really bad t- football team. Like they are so bad. Oh, I can't believe they lost that game. They understand how stupid of a loss that was. How bad of an embarrassing of a loss that was. And how they have re- reduced the margin that they have to do all the things that they want to do. Why am I getting so upset? I watched the Titans game again last night. That's why. Oh my gosh. They they know they have they know they have no margin because cha- they pooped the bed We're entirely. Your name <sighs> to can't because it rhymes with rant. Someone called me Rant Swanson on Twitter. Yeah. I that this is like I'm not trying to be rant guy. That is that is legitimate energy that just bubbled up because of how stupid of a loss that was. Oh my sorry. Go, Matt. I mostly agree with Kent Ranson. I think that he's onto something there. Uh, I would say, though, the uh, offense also needs to step up when Patrick Mahomes is out there because we, yes. it's not just the defense, just Patrick Mahomes plays offense so he can make them look better when they're out there loafing around and pulling themselves out of the play because their shoulder pad got tucked in on end around where they got like negative one yards. Again, we are looking at you, uh, Lizard King. <sighs> yeah, that's that's got to be better. Cam Irving's got to be better. I, we, they got to get guys back and healthy as much as best as they can. I'm not looking at Mitch Schwartz there. Mitch Schwartz legitimately has a serious injury there, but I, I just everybody has to be better. It's not just the defense. Yes, the defense has not helped Patrick Mahomes in his career for like the entirety of his football career ever, <sighs> but. I do think that plenty of blame is there to go around. Special teams really deserves a ton of it as well. So it's not just the defense. Everybody has to recognize that they got to step up and help Mahomes. Do you guys know how upset I'm going to be when the Titans come out of their bye and then they lose like the next three games? I'm going to be like this. This one's going to sit with me for a while. JPEZ25, do you do you guys think that you can coach up effort? I think we can all agree Pat, the Pats don't make a ton of mental mistakes. Either that's on coaching or they're the luckiest franchise in the history of the NFL. I think discipline is something that can improve drastically or fall apart drastically based on the locker room and the team you're on. I think you can coach discipline, but I don't think it's something that stays permanently. So a team like the Chiefs seems relatively undisciplined compared to a team like the Patriots. I don't just mean from penalties, but from the annoying slogan of do your job, but to when they actually get on the field and they do that, these guys, special teams, backup players, starters, stars, do what they're supposed to do on any given play. The Chiefs are a little bit more of a loose team. It's a freelancing style, and that has its benefits. Look at their offense compared to the Patriots' offense. It also has drawbacks where you get 
ridiculous penalties of Austin Ryder pulling a guy down by his collar when he's supposed to be getting out on the screen pass. Tyree Kill deciding to block a linebacker instead of literally just standing in his way. I mean, it's little things like that. It's a lack of discipline. Effort, I don't think you can coach. If someone's either going to be motivated by the coach's motivational style or they're not, I don't think you're going to improve it. It's just you got to learn how to talk to that specific player. And some players are simply never going to be motivated. Guys like Robert and Kambiche are just going to coast through the NFL based on pure talent. If they don't want to work, they're not going to work. No amount of coaching is going to change that. And from... and yeah. Kim DJ is not coasting very much anymore because his career is going to be over pretty quick. <laughs> I, I do think that the Patriots definitely target a specific kind of player. I think that effort players are Bill's bread and butter there. But on top of that, when you have as much success as the Patriots do, you get the best out of everybody that comes there because they want to try. They want to play hard. They don't... Randy Moss was living his best life in Oakland doing practically nothing and then Bill Belichick got him and transformed him I mean he was a great player he just didn't care it's easy to care when you're playing for Bill because you know you've got a shot at rings you know you've got a shot to go all the way you know you got a shot to get paid again because Bill's not going to pay you but somebody else will so I it's hard to really look at like the Patriots and the way that they do things just because the whole organization has won so much and they do things so much different than the rest of the NFL that it's not really comparable. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this with more questions from Twitter. All right, continuing with more questions from Twitter. We're going to start with Chief Boy RDG. Uh, the Chiefs have a few more slip-ups and make a wild-card spot. They get revenge on Houston, put Lamar Jackson back in his place, and the old uh, in Foxborough, then beat Rodgers to win a Super Bowl and crush any doubts about the new Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Why not? Um, you know, I, I like the optimism. I appreciate the optimism. And I think this is kind of the transition into a couple op, you know, there's some, there's some optimism questions here that like, I think this next one is pretty optimistic. Uh, fate green shaker. Do the, uh, do the chiefs have a path to a first round buy? Yes, they do. I think the path is they need the AFC South to chew each other alive, just eat each other alive because those teams can kind of muddle the situation if the Jags come back and play a little bit better. Uh, there's some there's some AFC South games. The Titans stumble into another win and, and maybe help the Chiefs out later down the road because I don't think the I don't think the Titans are ultimately going to make the playoffs. Obviously, but I think um, I think there's I think there's a chance that you know they're going to have to win out. They're going to have to beat the Patriots. I think it starts with the Patriots. If they beat the Patriots, I think that gives them a chance because all they have to do is tie the Ravens. The Chiefs, I think, have to be pretty much perfect the rest of the year to really challenge for that bye week. And I'm not saying they can't do it. Just based on what I've seen this year and out of Andy Reid teams in the past, I don't have a ton of belief that they are going to come out and give it their 100% every single week the rest of the year. I think other teams are trying to give Chiefs their 110% because they are tired of hearing about Patrick Lavon Mahomes every single time they turn on the television. I think the Chiefs are going to be playing in the first round of the playoffs. However, if they beat the Patriots, maybe Father Time continues to show up for Tom Brady. Maybe as the Patriots play a couple better teams, they lose another game or two, and that head-to-head matchup becomes a bigger deal. 
but I just I don't have a ton of faith that we're going to get as much help as we need based on the amount of losses we have to get that first round by. I'd agree with that. I and I'd agree with the part about you know teams really giving Mahomes their best shot. They know that they've got to play up to the competition every single week. I don't know that the, that you're getting that same sort of shot from everybody that's playing the Ravens right now. And I think the Ravens are really the biggest challenge to that, to holding that first round by. I think that they've got a good defense. Lamar looks good this year. I just think that they've they've got a better shot at winning out, keeping their spot, than I think the Chiefs do catching up to them at this point. Wichita Chief Sam, with the shortage of later round picks and the numbers showing that the team that trades down usually wins draft trades. Would you trade down in this year's draft to accrue more draft capital? And if so, what would you try to get with those extra picks? Hey, I'm cool with getting more draft capital, but I'm trading players. I'm not trading down. I'm, I am tired of settling for players and settling for talent and hoping guys fall. Listen, if anything, I'm trading up to get the guy that I want. I've spent two years now basically hoping that a cornerback fell to the right spot where the Chiefs could make a move. I'm not waiting anymore. I am not waiting anymore. I'm trading up for the best cornerback that I can get my hands on because at this point, this team desperately needs it. I'll trade up for a linebacker. I don't care who it is. They they have to make a move that's an impact move that can start day one. And if they're picking near the bottom of the first round, you might not be able to get a guy that can come in day one and really make an impact. That You've got your window right now. Patrick Mahomes is only going to get more and more expensive as they probably backload his deal a little bit. you got to hit on draft picks, and you got to hit on them to where they can play early. I'm most with Craig here. I think part of the analytics issue when comparing teams that trade down versus trade up and who wins is they're not considering the specific team needs for the team trading up or the team trading down. It makes a big difference if a team trades up and they have – two defensive ends on the roster, neither one of which are starting level players, even if they trade up and spend a lot of capital to get a guy that becomes a starter, that might mean more to them than getting two lesser players that both start later on just based on their specific team needs. I don't think you can really quantify trades based on just games played, stats, so on and so forth, because each team's different and you would really have to do a lot of work to determine what each team was looking for and got. Furthermore, I think you have to compare it also to what staying put would do. Did the team that drafted right after the trade down team still end up doing better? Did they do worse? So in terms of if you have to trade, I you can trade down if you don't like the player that's available for you rather than have to trade up. But when a team needs a cornerback as bad as the Chiefs do, I would trade up for a cornerback far before I would trade down and take a lesser player, two lesser players, just to recoup some late day three picks. I think it all depends on who is available and who you're giving up on. And I think that's probably the case with just about... I would guarantee you it's the case with every NFL football team. When they're trading down, it's analyzing the board, looking at how they value a, a certain bunch of guys. Um, if if Trevin Diggs is sitting there and the Chiefs can get him, or they could trade down and take you know Bryce Hall or... Sean Wade or someone in the 30s. Then the you stay 30s, put and you take digs. You s- You're right. You, you, you stay dig. You take <laughs> digs. That's 
I thought you were going to go the different way with this. No, no, no. No, I think it's just, I mean, if, if, you know, if you've got three corners at 32, whoops, I said 32, Mm. a little little optimism there. (laughs) If you've got three corners that are graded the same and you can move back to 35 and pick up a fourth round pick or a third round pick, yeah, do that. Maddie's not going to like that, but. You know, I, I I would not hate picking up an extra asset there. I think you just kind of got to navigate it, you know, situation to situation. Okay. Feel the burn and I-90. What's the best game day food choices for this game in Mexico? I can't wait to get dunked on before both these guys give their answers. They're going to give some snarky comment about me ordering saltine. So I'll just did it for you, Maddie. I'm going to go last because I don't read the questions beforehand and I have to think of the correct answer here. Okay, uh, I know everybody's going to do Mexican food. I love Mexican food, can eat it every single meal without fail, but I'm going to go with Pad Kimau. I'm doing drunken noodles because Maddie and I have been on this insane drunken noodles kick where we're just making them, ordering them, sending them to each other to make each other more jealous that the other one's eating it. So I... I want to do that and make that make Maddie even more jealous. They're amazing Thai food, spicy noodles. They're fantastic. Look up a recipe. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, I'm gonna be a little bit more traditional here. <laughs> if if they're gonna be in Mexico, I am getting a massive nacho bar. I'm getting all kinds of meats, black beans guac seven kinds of rice no rice no this is nachos we're talking about okay i'm not a savage some cheese some nacho cheese i'm just i'm going all out costco tortillas tortilla strips are pretty good by the way guys just so you know they're phenomenal i'm gonna be pretty basic here i think i'm just going with fajitas I like fajitas. I think that uh, especially if you home make them, you get yourself a nice good marinade. You get that thing on the grill. You slice up your skirt steak. You're good to get all your peppers, onions, everything rolling. I'm a big fajita guy. I like that you can make it however full you want to when you're kind of wrapping it up in your own tortilla. You don't have to deal with somebody else doing it. You have a lot of control with fajitas. They're the best thing to have when you're having Mexican food because you get all the control even once the food's delivered to you. That's right. And... You don't have to put rice on it if you're smart. And you tell the you just tell the whole restaurant like you, it's like a whole presentation when someone walks a, a thing of fajitas over to the to the table. Like everybody turns around like, oh, here's the cast iron skillet. <laughs> um, okay, McAllen Walker. <laughs> Were the defensive issues Sunday more of a schematic issue or a player execution issue? Uh, or a mix of both. What is your hope of fixing it moving forward into the end of the regular season and the playoffs? It, it was both. It was 100% both. We saw players missing tackles. We saw bad scheme. We saw maybe some bad personnel choices at times. It just, it, it was all around bad. But as much as I've been sort of uh, negative about this defense this week, here's some optimism. Yes, it can absolutely get fixed. If they play like they had the previous three weeks prior to that Titans game, they can 
absolutely do damage in the regular season the playoffs we've at least seen them play to that level against some good teams minnesota was a good offense green bay was a good offense denver was a football team and i i think that you know they are capable of doing that i think they're capable of playing that way i i just think that they need to show that they're not going to revert again with patrick mahomes at the helm before we can all really believe it but there's definitely optimism that this defense can refine that footing and go forward that way. Yeah, I think Craig pretty much nailed it there. I know we've spent a lot of time kind of talking about the same general stuff here when it's personnel, when it's coaching issues. It's always going to be a mix of both. I think there's been a couple games this year where you could point to some specific situations that a player was the problem or where the specific play was the problem. But at the end of the day, throughout the 40 to 60 games they're playing every single week, it's always going to be a mix of both. I don't think the Chiefs personnel is particularly great. I think Steve Spagnuolo is doing a much better job working with them than we got last year out of Bob Sutton. He still is also making a couple head-scratching decisions from time to time with his personnel usage and when he's deciding to play certain types of coverages or run fits. But overall, it's just everybody's going to continue to work better together. They got a little loose with their run fits last week. I think that's a big thing they're going to look to change. And they did a better job this week covering tight ends, running backs, working underneath. I don't know if it was an emphasis they placed on anything or if it was just the fact that Titans didn't try to target them there quite as much as other teams in the past. But that was something they at least had going the right direction this week. Boats and O's, 92. With Agba out, does that mean we'll see more of Ivy to compensate for the pass rush? Also, what happened with Saunders and Nadi last week? They'd been solid inside for a few weeks straight, Maddie. Yeah, I think Ivy kind of makes sense, especially if you're going to get more Chris Jones on the outside of defensive end, which is a high probability with Ogba out now, with Okafor still battling through some injuries. I know Tano Passano has been a little bit better this year than he had been the years in the past, but he's still got a long way to go. He is not an every-down consistent player right now. So you're going to get more Jones outside. They're going to need more help on the inside. I think keeping Ivy around as a situational pass rusher is going to be worthwhile. And especially if Okafor is not ready, you might just have to run with five or five different defensive tackles in there and a few less defensive ends knowing Chris Jones can play both. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that I don't think is getting quite enough run this week. Tano Passigno does play outside, but he's not a particularly good run defender outside. His main success comes from rushing the passer or defending a stretch run. He doesn't set the edge very well. He doesn't really do well enough you know, for what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do on the outside. And he's the only guy outside of Frank Clark and Chris Jones that really play defensive end that probably will be active on Sunday. That's scary because Chris Jones is not a 100% player. He's just not. He's never been that kind of player throughout his career. He doesn't have the conditioning to play 100% of the snaps. And Frank Clark has had this neck injury and hasn't been a 100% player for the Chiefs either. They need a rotational guy that they can trust out there. Team, the Chargers love to run the ball. They may target Tano Passigno this week. So, yeah, I do expect that they're going to play maybe Ivy a little more, have him active on game day, knowing that Chris Jones probably isn't going to play inside unless it's an obvious passing down. 
Yeah, they're they're gonna have some issues here, uh, trying to navigate this this week. Uh, we'll see what happens with Emmanuel Ogba's um, roster spot. I don't think they've put him on IR they as haven't. we are it's recording so this weird. podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I don't know if if they're planning on if they're hoping he can come back for the playoffs. Maybe. I mean. I, I don't know. It's a I don't torn know how, peck. Isn't that almost that, always a season ender? I thought so. Yeah. That's but, a long term one. Didn't JJ yeah, Watt I, just have the same thing? And they've. I just I don't I don't know why I don't know why they haven't done something with it yet. Like it yeah. just doesn't make sense to me. Um, we'll find out. I guess Darren D. Piggott. What if the Chiefs franchise tag Jones, Chris Jones, and decide to trade him this offseason? What would you what would you be looking to get in return players or picks and should they do this if they think they can do what the Pats do and manufacture pressure and use assets for corner positions? So they've got pressure without Chris Jones. Like they've had success rushing the passer. Chris Jones has had a fantastic season when he's been on the field though. So you know, I think you've seen some really good stuff from him this this year and uh, I think the move outside where he's playing a little bit more outside. They said that he was kind of trending towards that before he got hurt. And I, I think that's a good move for Spag's scheme. I think they're going to trade him. I think they're going to get picks for him. Uh, and I think it could be, you know, a decent pick or two. I really do. Uh, and this, that would really help them kind of, you know, have some more assets and, uh, you know, for the draft since they've only got five right now. Um, they're going to have to get a, a, talented player inside though if they do move on from Chris so it'll either be you know a a mid-level free agent maybe they make an early pick with one of those selections but I don't think Chris Jones is getting paid in Kansas City yeah I think it's very much an option I think we've talked about it a little bit Jones has been a monster this year when he's been out there on the field but given the price they've already paid Frank Clark whether you agree with it or not it's done it's happened it's going to be hard to pay another defensive lineman as much money as Chris Jones is going to need to stick around you can franchise tag him, trade him, recoup good draft capital that you can use to fill other holes. I do think if they plan to trade Chris Jones, they're going to have to replace the pass for somewhere. But I think they'd look more for defensive end help. I don't know if they're going to trust Alex Ogofor. He has not been particularly great when out there. Maybe Ogba would come back as well, but you're still going to need to add more outside pass rush, I think. I don't know if you're going to worry as much about that inside three-tech position as much as you can play your defensive ends there with Steve Spagnuolo, and you'd look more just to get more run-stopping defensive tackles, kind of when the Chiefs have trended putting Chris Jones outside for better run-stoppers on the inside. Breland Speaks. Hey, one-tech Breland Speaks coming back, baby. Um, Yeah, if you're trading Chris Jones, it's for picks. Uh, The reason that you're trading Chris Jones is because he's too expensive. It's not because he doesn't do what you know he he's performing we're seeing him perform this year now run defense hadn't been great but he's performing as a pass rusher again there is value in that but if he is that expensive then you're not trading him for you know premium players unless you know they're on their rookie deal and if they're on their rookie deal then you're probably going to have to give something back because a team trading for chris jones is going to have to pay him that's pretty expensive i'm trading it for picks You've got to restock this talent with young or this roster with young talent that can play under Mahomes' big contract. So yeah, I'm looking at early picks for that. Arrowhead focus. How would you feel about a 17 game season that's in the new CBA potentially per rumors? The possibility for more international games and more teams in the postseason, but could affect 
Uh, could the effects it would have on the players be too much, Maddie? I have no desire to see more teams make the playoffs. I think wild card round already usually gives you at least one stinker of a game. I don't need to watch more of those. I don't need to watch another Derek Carr in the playoffs kind of game. I just don't need to see him in the playoffs. The more international games, I'm fine with them, but they don't particularly do anything for me. I think if you start adding more international games, that desire to get in the international team is even higher, and I think that'll be a pretty bad idea for the NFL. I just think there's going to be so many logistical problems that come with that. As far as a 17-game season, less preseason, more regular season. Can't complain about that at all. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with that if they reduce the preseason, but I, I'm not up for putting more wear and tear on these guys. They're, mm-hmm. they're hitting enough. They're going through enough. I know you'd probably have to add a second buy, and so you'd have an early buy and a late buy, particularly if you added more international games. But I, I just... I'm not particularly interested in having a 17-game season. I know that they've talked a little bit about how within your conference, not not your division, but your conference, you would actually play an extra game so that way you would, you would have something that counted towards a tiebreaker. So you play like nine in the AFC and eight in the NFC. I just the logistics of all of this is just silly and ridiculous, and that's not even including contract structure and things like that that are already in place for 16 game seasons it's just a mess Uh, to be honest uh, leave it at 16 it's fine the way that it is it starts at the right time it ends at the right time Uh, just just leave it at 16 yeah i'm good at 16 uh now granted like the team that makes the super bowl winds up playing you know 19 and some teams wind up playing 20 to make the super bowl anyway i get that I just I don't love the idea of adding an extra game. Teams are already checked out by week thirteen too. In some cases, so you're going to add an extra week for them to be checked out. Like, come on, that's not going to do anything for anyone. I think it's I think it'd be a mess flat out. Uh, I, I hate the idea honestly. Our dire shouldn't any delusional Chiefs fan crying for the firing of Andrew Reid be forced to renounce the kingdom and join the dog pound of Cleveland? Uh, I think you've kind of already been a little bit critical, but I, you don't. Do you, Matt? Do you think that you should fire Andy Reid anytime soon? Not right now. I think this season, if it goes incredibly poorly, if the Chiefs don't make the playoffs, you have to very much consider it. If the Chiefs lose in the first round of the playoffs, I don't know. So, if you think you should fire Andy Reid, but you at least have to start considering that as a possibility in the future if things don't turn back around. And no, I don't have to. I know the first question that comes up here is. Who are you going to replace him with? Who's the better coach? And I can't tell you of a coach that is going to be 100% better from day one because Andy Reid's a very good coach. The issue is if he can't get a team that is going to be a Super Bowl kind of front runner, a lead team, I don't know if Andy Reid is good enough as a situational coach to go on a run to win three, four straight games against the NFL's best opposition. So I just, I think if things go poorly, you do have to consider what you do. The problem with an Andy Reid-led football team there's only so many changes you can make because Andy Reid has so much control over the whole thing. It's an Andy Reid show. That was in Philly. It is in Kansas City. You can only make so many changes before it comes back to the fact that Andy Reid runs everything and he's the guy that has to be changed. That said, firing Andy Reid midseason, firing Andy Reid if the Chiefs have a, even a small playoff run and don't win a Super Bowl, I think is a little ridiculous. You got to let him play out the year and then go from there. Yeah, you you can't fire Andy Reid at at this point. 
this is his roster. He's built it the way that he wants it. He's got his quarterback the way that he wants it. And that's the reason you're always going to be in contention. So it just doesn't make any sense. Plus, he makes Clark Hunt money, guys. I, I know that, that Therese Paler said that on his podcast. He makes Clark Hunt lots of money because he wins lots of games. Even if they're just regular season games, those still sell out. Those still bring fans in. He's not going to move on from Andy Reid unless there are just catastrophic failures after catastrophic failures. So, no, Andy Reid's here, and when he wins the Super Bowl this year, I can't wait to give him the biggest hug. He probably won't know it's coming. I will probably be arrested, but I'll be done with the parade (laughs) at that point so I can just go ahead and sit in jail. Are you sneaking into his house? No, it's at the parade. He's on the podium. I'm probably going to get tased before I get to him. Okay. Like you're you're climbing up there like a groupie. Okay. Um, I don't think any time in the future with the whole Patrick Mahomes negotiations and all that stuff, there's zero reason to fire Andy Reid right now. Do not rock that boat. Good things are going on with Patty LeVon and, and, uh, and Mahomes. Yeah, and I, I do want to be very clear. I'm not saying the Chiefs don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl with Andy Reid this year or anything like that. I just think if things start to go south and you get to that point to where the team is looking like a a, play, a team fighting to be in the playoffs rather than a team fighting to win the Super Bowl, that's where I think you kind of have to start considering what you're going to do with Andy Reid because that's when I don't trust him to take a playoff caliber roster rather than a Super Bowl caliber roster and elevate it just when it comes to situational football. But this year, they by all means have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is that good. Andy Reid's still operating that well. They just have to fix some issues. And if those issues don't fix, then in the offseason, you have to start dealing with those questions. Andrew Richards, six. We know about the defensive struggles, but the red zone struggles on offense are more alarming to me. Seems like we can move the ball with ease till we get there and what Pat and Andy can do to make it more successful in that area of play. Um, or what can Pat do? What can Pat and Andy do? So we actually, we organically were kind of talking about this before uh, the show even started. Actually, I don't think Maddie knew that it was even... Uh, one of the questions because Maddie doesn't read the questions. Um, so I think, and I'll just kind of take one of my big points and I'll just throw it there. I think because Patrick Mahomes is not able to create as much as he has been, you know, for the majority of the season, he hasn't been able to do some of the things that he does, bail them out of a, a bad play or a good call by the defense down there in the red zone. And, and, him out of structure in the red zone, you've seen it. Some of his best plays are, I don't know, the the scramble against the C, uh, against the Niners. We saw a glimpse of it against the Colts, and then he got hurt. He got re-aggravated because Cam Irving stepped on his foot, but that's another story. Uh, you saw him do that stuff. You saw him make that incredible throw to Demarcus Robinson against the Seahawks where the ball was literally out of bounds. And, like, you know, I, that's not as you know that's not been as prominent this year because he's been hurt so that's my thing is like i think once that gets back i think you'll see more red zone improvement i think patrick mahomes mobility has been a big part of it i looked into this this week versus the titans because the chiefs were pretty bad in the red zone or i called it with inside the 30 and it was two out of seven trips resulted in two touchdowns that's awful that's even worse than their season mark where they're at like 40 some percent 
they are one of the one of the ten worst teams in the NFL at scoring touchdowns on drives. So there's a lot of issues. I think Patrick Mahomes' mobility is up there at the top. This team is talented enough; they should be able to run basic route concepts with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, and move the ball and score touchdowns at a much higher rate than they do. I think part of the issue. Andy Reid likes to flex his brain power and show everybody how much better he is at designing and calling plays, and he'll get a little too cute. Rather than calling a basic sticks concept to pick a first down, he'll try to dial up a relatively elaborate vertical play where the really only options for Mahomes, especially behind this offensive line, is to throw the ball to the first deep threat he can possibly see. If it doesn't work, you check out. There's a lot of extra screen passes. There's just a lot of stuff that goes on. I think the offense needs to narrow down what it does a little bit, get a little bit more basic, allow your good players to win. And this isn't the same as earlier in the year when we talked about not putting players in a good position and giving them help. You can still call a rub route and still have a basic play. You can still do a trips bunch and then still call a basic play out of it. It doesn't have to be just all your normal Madden, you know, 11 personnel, everybody spread out. You can make, you can help your players out and still call basic plays. Just let these guys win a little bit more. You don't have to be cute. You don't have to out scheme the other players or the other team every single play. Let Patrick Mahomes play sometimes. And as for me, uh, when the offense is on the field, that's when I get my prime paint drying looking in so I, I i have nothing more to add than what these guys expertly covered already well uh that's gonna do it for <laughs> uh the friday mailbag edition of the ap laboratory we will be back with a game preview uh, on monday getting you ready for monday night football we'll catch you later For those of you wondering why Craig watches paint dry, it's because he actually made it from scratch by himself and he's just testing out a new superior product for the masses. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.